0: Hi everyone, my name is Andrew from Pinelands Baptist Church and today we continue to pray our way through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread And forgive us our trespasses, as we also have forgiven those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus goes on to say, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins... Your Father will not forgive your sins. The phrase that we look at today is this, as we also forgive those who trespass against us. I'm going to invite you to pause this recording whenever you feel the need to do so as we work through this little phrase together. What does it mean to genuinely forgive someone. Let's maybe mention some very nice things that forgiveness is not. Firstly, forgiving is not the same as forgetting. If you could forget about it, you wouldn't need to forgive it. Even when we do genuinely forgive someone, we might not be able to forget what took place but hopefully the sting and the pain are not there when we've genuinely forgiven. Secondly, forgiving isn't the same as excusing. You excuse someone when you decide you can't blame them. You forgive someone when you do blame them. You hold them responsible, and yet you forgive them anyway. Thirdly, forgiving is not the same as smoothing over. We often do that in the Christian Church. We don't like conflict and so we smooth things over, which in fact is very damaging. Nobody learns anything. Nobody grows. Relationships aren't deepened. Just smoothing things over is not the same as the fine art of forgiveness. And fourthly, forgiving is not the same as tolerating. That sometimes happens again and again in abusive relationships. A husband beats his wife and says, I'm so sorry, it will never happen again. But it does. Many wives think that the Christian thing to do is to forgive their husbands and go on. But that's not fair to anyone, to yourself or your husband. You have to set limits in place and say, I will not tolerate this behaviour. So if that, that is what forgiveness is not, what then does genuine forgiveness look like? Genuine forgiveness takes place when I give up my right to get even. When I give up my right to take revenge, I place the situation in God's hands. And for two reasons. Firstly, because God is the only righteous judge. Unlike God, I don't have all the facts. I don't know about that person's childhood and influence. I don't know what goes on in the depths of their hearts. I don't know how they have been hurt. I don't know their true motives. Only God knows that. And so I place them and the situation in God's hands. That's in fact what Jesus himself did in 1 Peter chapter 2. We read, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Won't you spend a few moments committing yourself, your enemy, and that situation into God's hands for him to judge justly? Secondly, when I forgive, I revise my picture of the other person. I try to see the other person as God sees them. In his book, Forgive and Forget, Lewis Smeads writes this, As we forgive people, we gradually come to see the deeper truth about them, a truth our hate blinds us to, a truth we can see only when we separate them from what they did to us. The truth about those who hurt us is that they are weak, needy and fallible human beings, They were people before they hurt us, and they are people after they hurt us. They were needy and weak before they hurt us, and they were weak and needy after they hurt us. They needed our help, our support, our comfort before they did us wrong, and they need it still. They are not only people who hurt us. This is not the deepest truth about them. But you spend a few moments thinking of your enemy and trying to view him or her as God sees them? Thirdly, I forgive when I can begin to wish the other person well. A little earlier in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer knew something about praying for one's enemies. Bonhoeffer was the German pastor who opposed Adolf Hitler when most other pastors in Nazi Germany were happy to go along with the Nazi program. Bonhoeffer was arrested and put in a concentration camp at Flossenburg. He was later hanged on the express orders of Heinrich Himmler just a few weeks before the concentration camp was liberated by the Allies. Bonhoeffer knew what he was talking about when he wrote these words. Through the medium of prayer, we go to our enemy, stand by his side, and plead for him to God. Jesus does not promise that when we bless our enemies and do good to them, they will not despitefully use and persecute us. They certainly will, but not even that can hurt or overcome us so long as we pray for them. We are doing vicariously for them what they cannot do for themselves. God loves his enemies. That is the glory of his love, as every follower of Jesus knows. Won't you spend just a few moments praying for your enemy right now? Fourthly. Forgiveness takes place when I seek reconciliation. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sadly, this is not always possible. Lewis Smead says, As long as you stop the hate, as long as you're willing to be a friend or a helper to that person and give him grace, that may be all that is possible for now. We'll have to see about tomorrow. will you spend just a few moments thinking about whether you should seek reconciliation with someone? And then let's just spend a few moments considering why we should forgive. Firstly, we forgive others because we have been forgiven by God. Do you remember the story that Jesus told of a servant who owed his master a million rand and couldn't pay it back? He pleaded with his master for more time, and his master graciously cancelled the debt. Instead of being grateful, though, the servant went out and found someone who owed him twenty rand. And although this man pleaded for more time, the servant threw his fellow servant into jail until he could repay the debt. When the master heard what had taken place, he called the servant back into his presence and said to him, You wicked servant, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had on you? If we're finding it difficult to forgive today, let's spend just a few moments looking at the cross considering all that Jesus has freely forgiven us and then thinking about how little perhaps we need to forgive someone else. Secondly, forgiveness frees us. As long as I don't forgive the other person, they occupy rent-free space in my mind. They keep on hurting me over and over every time I bring up the hurt. Max Lucado says that forgiving someone is setting them free, only to discover that you yourself were the prisoner. And so let's spend a few moments thinking about how much time I spend mulling over situations, being hurt all over again, thinking of clever things to say in response, thinking of ways to justify my own actions. Let's allow God to free us by freeing others. And then thirdly, I forgive because at some time in my life I'm going to need to seek forgiveness from others. Someone once said, those who cannot forgive others break the bridge over which they themselves must pass. Let me spend a few moments thinking about where I might need to apologise, even in the situation in which I think that I have been wronged. O Lord, help us to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave us. Amen.